We are back again, Locked On NFL, taking you around the league daily here on the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one daily sports podcast network. I am Brian Peacock alongside the scout, Matt Williamson. You can find me on Twitter at BD Peacock. You can find Matt at Williamson NFL. And you can find this show, just like all the programs on the network, Major League Baseball. Congrats to the Nats who just took home their first ever World Series championship. NBA, NHL, and of course, all the teams around the NFL. All available on your favorite podcast apps. I want to talk New York Jets post-trade deadline here, what the team looks like. It's a fascinating team to both Matt and I, so we wanted to have John Butchko, the host of Locked on Jets, come on today to talk a little bit about New York, uh, the players going out, the players staying put, and how all the pieces fit together there, including an all-pro safety that might have one foot out the door. We'll find out more with John in one second. We also will preview the Thursday night Halloween special 49ers at the Arizona Cardinals. Tomorrow, of course, we will make our Friday picks for the rest of the Week 9 NFL slate. And now we welcome John Butchko to the show, host of Locked on Jets. Very interesting team right now, and Matt and I both wanted to have you on, John, to talk about what's going on in Jetland. Some trades made, Leonard Williams going out, getting a third and a fifth, with I think is a, I think is a great haul for the Jets to get for a guy who's probably not in the long-term plans. You got Quinn and Williams there, you're grooming to be the guy inside. And then some trades that were not made, and I think the number one that I want to hear about is Jamal Adams. How do you feel about Adams, the weirdness right now that's happening with potentially Adams wanting out, uh, but he's such a great player, and obviously the Jets didn't get what they thought he would be worth in trade, and I know his latest was saying that, look, you shouldn't even take calls on me, basically. What's going on with Jamal Adams and the Jets? Yeah, and... You know, a lot of Jets fans are very upset at the idea that the team would even take calls on Adams. I guess I have kind of a different viewpoint. I mean, my viewpoint is that this team has won two games in the last calendar year. I think in that context, it's kind of tough for me to say anybody's untouchable. Now, the, you know, to trade Adams, you'd need a huge haul in return, which Dallas and no other team was willing to provide. But I, I think that the Jets, I mean, the Jets would be doing their job if they weren't listening to offers. I mean, there's a lot you can get on the Jets for. You can get on the Jets for practically everything this year. Uh, to me, that's one of the. Th- I, I think that that's. I don't agree with that criticism. You know, Jamal Adams is a tremendous safety, but I think it's not accurate to say right now that he has the value of it. He brings to the table what an Aaron Donald does or a Tom Brady does. I think that you know, we, we've not reached that point yet. Uh, and honestly, like, I mean, this is just. My theory, I don't have anything to go on it with. I, I mean, I have a few things. It's kind of an educated guess, but if you read between the lines here, there was some reporting. Josina Anderson of ESPN com, uh, tweeted out the other day during the deadline that she had heard that Adams is, rep, uh, you know, like, the implication, she kind of, if you read between the lines, she said, she hinted at the idea that Adams' representation made it clear that he would, he would like to play for the Cowboys. And Adams himself admitted, he told Ryan Clark of ESPN that he would love to play for the Cowboys. So, it almost kind of seems like maybe this is a situation where Jamal Adams wants to get out of New York, but he doesn't want to be the bad guy. And, you know, he essentially wants to force a trade without, without actually forcing a trade. That's kind of one of my <laughs> theories on what's going on right now. John, there's some good stuff there. It's funny because as soon as I heard Jamal Adams' name and trade, I was, like a lot of people, I instantly reacted, why would you trade him? That makes no sense. He's the backbone. He's a great player. But he went to LSU. He's from the South. Maybe the Big Apple and him aren't compatible. It's not for everyone. 
And like you said, and to take it a step further, if you can get Minka, let alone Jalen Tunsil neighborhood for a safety, and that turns into offensive line help in the next year or so, I think you're crazy at least not to kick those tires. So and the more I thought about it, the more I thought, hey, everyone's – we need everything we can get in terms of draft picks. Everyone's expendable at the right price. Yeah, and uh, I, I can't take credit for this comment. Damian Woody of ESPN put out a, like a video on his social media pages, and he, he made the point that you know Jamal Adams is a great safety. Nobody's saying Jamal Adams is anything other than an all-pro safety. Sure. But at this point in time, you can make a very good argument that he's a luxury for the Jets because you know what positions win games in the National Football League for you? Offensive line where the Jets are just horrendous. I mean, the Jets have one of the worst offensive lines I've ever seen this year. Now, they've been shuffling guys in and out of the lineup, but, I mean, they, these guys can't. I mean, you blitz these guys. They have no idea what to do. Um, corner, where they have – I shouldn't say they have nothing because Brian Poole has been a good slot corner for them this year, but outside corner they have nothing. Uh, Trumaine Johnson's just been a total free agent bust. No, no other way to put it. Daryl Roberts is kind of a journeyman that is surprising. I mean, most fans – said, okay, during free agency, said, okay, well, what's the plan? Surely they are not going to keep Roberts as a starter. Well, that's what they did. Um, and then, you know, on the edge, they don't really have they don't really have much of a pass rush off the edge. So, you know, if you can get in – look, they were looking for a big haul. There's a report that they turned down a first-round pick. Now, there are not many players on the Jets who they would have turned down a first-round pick for. So I think, it, you know, it's not really accurate to say that they were looking to shop Adams. All the reports indicate that. Other teams called them. The Jets were not initiating the trade talks, unlike guys like Leonard Williams and Robbie Anderson, where the Jets were actively shopping them. But if you can get you know, a bounty of picks, and the report, you know, one report suggested that the lowest the Jets would have taken for Adams is a first-rounder and two second-rounders, and rebuild these positions that are cornerstone positions in the league where the Jets have nothing, it's something you at least have to consider. Yeah, I, I, I would not have taken Dallas's first for him. But if you said, I'll take... Dallas is first and second, maybe, or Dallas is first this year and next year. Now you're talking, but, you know, pick 20 or so isn't going to get it done for me. And it kind of dawned on me that, yes, I think the quarterback's in place, and we'll talk about Darnold for sure, but the positions you mentioned, they might need five offensive linemen, two edge guys, and two corners. I mean, that's extreme, but they're probably the three most expensive positions to acquire and overpay for in the draft and free agency outside a quarterback. I mean, that's going to be a crazy offseason. Yeah, and you know, the, I don't want to jump ahead of ourselves there, but another guy who came up in trade discussions was Le'Veon Bell. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, from watching the games, I mean, I think Le'Veon Bell can still play very effectively I in this too. league, but it's not working there. I think part of it, the coach doesn't know how to use him, and part of it, the off- part of it's the offensive line is so bad. And, and you know, there was an element there that made me say, you know, if they can just get out of that contract and at least, you know, get some cap space, you know, because he, he is pretty expensive back. If they can get some of the cap space back that they can invest in the offensive line, because like you said, it's going to be expensive. They're going to need as much money as they can get. I mean, I think there's an argument to be made for that, even though, yeah, and Bell, I, the other thing I'd say about Bell is that, you know, there was lots of concern about how would he fit in the locker room. I think it's fair to say so far he's been a model citizen. I mean, everything... It, if you had told me that the Jets would be one in six and that Bell was not being used properly and that he wasn't that productive on the stat sheet, I probably would have told you this is going to be a, this guy's going to be a nightmare in the locker. He's actually been a pretty good guy in the locker room. He's been, said all the right things. All the reports are that he's been he's been a pretty good teammate. Um, so it's not his fault at all. But 
there's a little part of me that thinks, you know, if they could get out of that contract, it's not, not necessarily that it's because of the player, but just because of the situation you're in. It's something you might want to look at. More with John Butchko of Locked On Jets coming up. The development of Sam Darnold, I think, is the number one priority and should be at least the number one priority in New York for the Jets. And some questions about Adam Gase, if he's the guy to remain in charge. This podcast is brought to you in part by Peloton. Can't find a workout that keeps you engaged? Peloton is an immersive cardio experience with real-time features that will always keep you coming back. Get $100 off accessories when you purchase the Peloton bike and get a great cardio workout at home. Go to OnePeloton.com and use promo code LOCKED to get started. As a true football fan, you already know, just as sure as the seasons change, Tom Brady will keep the Patriots in the game. Every weekend, our favorite gridiron warriors put their skills to the test, so why aren't you doing the same? We're almost halfway through the NFL season, so now is the time to get off the sidelines and get in the game with MyBookie. MyBookie is the premier place to bet on all your favorite pro and college football action every weekend. They always have the most up-to-date lines and the most prop bets of any sports book on the planet. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and bet with the best at MyBookie. If you like to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay, pick your locks for the week, put them together in one parlay bet, and when they all come out together on top, the rewards will be huge. The best part is, if you join right now, MyBookie will double your first deposit. That's right. If you put in $1,000, they'll give you $1,000 to bet at MyBookie. That's double your initial deposit you can use on all your favorite picks. Use promo code Locked On to activate the offer. That's promo code Locked On to double your first deposit. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. You mentioned the positional value of safety, and that's a great point about Jamal Adams. And when you really look at how the Jets roster is currently constructed, everything is up the middle right now. Running back, you've got your quarterback, you think in place in Sam Darnold, ups and downs, obviously, with the young signal caller. You've got Quinnen Williams, a defensive tackle. You've got Mosley, a linebacker. You've got Jamal Adams at safety. So obviously, the edges and the outside, like Matt mentioned, that's where a lot of money, a lot of resources are going to have to be put and I can understand the idea thinking, wow, okay, we've got a running back and we've got a safety, and those are two of our better players on this team, but where's the edge guys? Uh, you know, wide receivers going to be a need in the future, especially if you feel like you need to move on from Robbie Anderson. So I want to talk about Robbie Anderson there. And it sounds to me like when you just mentioned him earlier, you thought maybe you think it would be a good idea to trade Robbie Anderson. When the trade deadline came and went and I looked at the Jets, I was thinking, well, maybe that's the smart move right now, even if you could have got something for Bell. You could have got something for Robbie Anderson. Why not keep as many pieces in place for Sam Darnold to help his development, which might be more valuable in the long run than, say, a mid-round draft pick? Yeah, it's a difficult spot, and I kind of went back and forth on Anderson. I mean, the one thing about Robbie Anderson is that he's a free agent after the season, so I was kind of, I didn't really care which of the two they did. Like, I just think you cannot let this guy walk away for nothing. So the way I kind of view it is he's either, he's either in your plans or he's not in your plans. If he's not in your plans going forward, then get something in return for him. If he is in your plans, then resign him. I just I, I think that you know, either one's a valid approach to me. I just don't think that they could keep him at the deadline and then let him walk. But you know, to your point, I think it, it's tough because, as you, as you mentioned, you don't want to further deplete the talent base around Sam Darnold um, because, I mean, this is just a, from top to bottom, it's just a really terrible infrastructure to put a young quarterback in. But, you know, this is a team that doesn't have a lot of assets that have any value. So, I mean, 
if you're looking at what can bring back something in return, do you really? It's a situation where beggars can't be choosers. They only have so many players who can bring back who can bring back draft capital if you trade them. So you know you can you can make the argument either way. Uh, but I think you know there is a case, there's a case to keep those guys. But the alternative to that is, I mean, if you're not going to trade these guys, I mean, I, I'd struggle to name a few any more players who would bring back much in a trade. John, what's your trust confidence level in Darnold? You know, big picture, not the rest of the year or this past couple of weeks or how he's played the you know against New England. Out of ten, I would say mine's about an eight. I don't know that I'd way. go. Yeah, no, I, I don't know that I'd go that high because of just how frequently he turns the ball over. But mm-hmm. I, I have like I was a big fan of Darnold coming out of USC and you know, if you watch these games, it's tough for me to put a lot of the, it's New York. People get anxious when the young quarterback's turning the ball over a lot, when he's not playing that well, but this is just a really tough, I I think, I think any young quarterback not named Mahomes would have a tough time having success in the offense. The Jets are running right now between the coaching struggle too, dude. I mean, it's it's an impossible situation. Yeah. And that's, and and that's a good block. Yeah, you're right. And that's a, that's a great point. It shows you, it just shows you the situation Darnold's in. I mean, this is, right. they, can, they can't block. They can't block anybody. Anderson's a decent receiver, but they don't really have much more in the way of receiver. Bell's great. And then, I mean, the, the other point I make is that, you know, when people want to blame Darnold, I say, you know, while well, I'm watching the same offensive infrastructure pretty much neutralize one of the best packs in the NFL and Le'Veon Bell simultaneous to what's happening with Darnold. So I just think that there, there's so many issues on this offense that, Honestly, it's kind of tough to evaluate Darnold right now because it's difficult to see. Look, he's obviously not playing that well, but I think any, it's like you said, Matt, I think any young quarterback in this league would struggle to have success with the surroundings he's been put in. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point there. If I was a Jets fan and I was on the fence about Sam Darnold, that win over the Cowboys, I would have gone out and bought a Sam Darnold jersey that day even though that was the only win so far for the Jets this season. And then the next week, the four-interception performance, 33-0 against the Patriots. I would maybe start to regret that decision, but I have a feeling, you know, a little bounce back last week against the Dolphins this week. I I still have high hopes for Sam Darnold. I think one of the best traits he has, you mentioned the New York market, and that can be a pressure cooker. I think he's one of the coolest dudes that can, like, handle that. And I loved his comments about being caught live on TV saying he was seeing ghosts and he's like, I don't care. I'll be mic'd up every game. That's not <laughs> what my, that's not what I'm worried about. That's not my focus. And I think that attitude and that, um, you know, for a really young quarterback and he was a true junior coming out of college or a redshirt sophomore coming out of college, a young guy that needs to develop having a head on his shoulders like that. We're seeing what's going on with, with guys that were, you know, fifth year seniors, like, like, uh, the Browns quarterback right now that's having trouble dealing with the media, I think having a head on his shoulders is maybe the best asset that Darnold has right now. Yeah, and I'll tell you, you know, I've, I was around the Jets during preseason, and, you know, just from talking for people around the team, Jets have had a lot of young quarterbacks they've been trying to develop over the last decade. You know, you go back to Mark Sanchez and Geno Smith, and the feeling I got around the team was that, you know, with those other guys, Sanchez and Smith, there was always, it was always kind of like, all right, here are some positive signs, hopefully... This is our guy. I think there's a real confidence in this organization that Darnold is the right guy. You know, just anecdotally, I mean, I've heard stories that, like, he's refused opportunities to throw out the first pitch at a Mets game just because he's not, he's not interested in any of that. He's really just focused on football 100%. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think from everything I've heard suggests that that's true. He has a very good head on his shoulders, which is something you need in this market because, 
I don't know if you guys are aware of this. New York fans are not always the most rational bunch. <laughs> oh, really? Or football fans in general. <laughs> right. <laughs> John, last thing I got for you is give me two numbers, a percentage that Gase will be back next year. You know, as we sit oh, here yeah. today on Halloween, happy Halloween, everyone. And what if they lose in Miami this week, which I think is possible, and we'll get to our picks tomorrow on that. I don't think it's a slam dunk that they win in Miami. I would even say, I mean, I kind of think they're going to lose this game. <laughs> I think they might. Uh-oh. I'm going to be honest with you. I think they're going to lose this game. I think the Dolphins are playing better football right now yeah. than the Jets. I think the Jets are the more talented team, but I think the Dolphins are playing better right now. I think the, the Dolphins are the more cohesive team right now, so I would not be shocked to see them uh, lose this game this week. You know, as far as the percentage with Gase, it's tough to say because I do think there are people around him that want to succeed. You know, this general manager is here. Gase had a lot to do with that. The new team president is a Gase guy. Um, and the other thing you have to remember is that the Jets' remaining schedule is really easy. Um, of their remaining nine games, four of them, you have two against Miami, you have one against Cincinnati, you have one against Washington. So there are some potential wins on the schedule. That said, this Jets team is very bad. It's playing very bad. And there's a lot of drama around here. It would not be difficult to see the roof cave in on things. So, I mean, I, I'm kind of of the mind that Gase has a shot to save his job, but the way things are looking right now, I guess it, I would say maybe 33% chance. I'd say a one in three ch- chance Gase returns wow. because I think, mm. I think the way things are going, I, I expect the bottom to fall out. Now, again, the reason I'm not, the reason I'm not going higher than one, which is, I guess is pretty high odds of a first-year coach getting fired, but the only caveat I have is just how easy the remaining schedule is, is that there will be some opportunities now. I'm not expecting him to take up to take advantage of those, but it, it's out there. That is John Butchko, host of Locked On Jets. Thank you so much for joining the show. Can you tell our listeners where else they can find you? Yeah, I am the site manager at GangGreenNation.com, covering the Jets, and our Twitter account is at GangGreenNation. Awesome stuff. Thanks again. Glad to have you. So that's very interesting, Matt. I think I was surprised how low he put the odds for Adam Gase to return next year. To the Jets, even though I have not been impressed at all with the job Adam Gase has done and sort of the personality conflicts and some of the weird stuff going on with Osemele that we didn't even get to. And I just it just feels like the GM, the head coach, the the offense, like nothing is really jiving right now for the Jets. And it, it all kind of points to Adam Gase at this point, right? Yeah, uh, that did seem like a low percentage, a one in three chance he returns. However, I have mixed feelings on it because I do think he made some good points of, well, Gase has sort of put these guys in place, and I have a lot of faith that Joe Douglas can get this thing turned around. And they're abysmal, don't get me wrong, but especially when Falk was a quarterback, they had zero chance of success. Yeah, And it's kind of like the Darnold conversation we had. Like, if we're not going to blame Darnold for this this team being horrible, why are we blaming Gase? Because they can't block anybody. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> if you don't have corners, pass rushers, or blocking, I'm not sure Vince Lombardi gets a lot out of that crew. No, that's a great point, and it's a fair point. And it's it, it's the thing that will probably save Gase is he's like, look, I, I, need, I need more bullets here, yeah, or yeah, right. I can't compete. Um, that, that Dallas game is the one thing that sticks out, and we talked about it with John. It's like, man, you just went and beat the Dallas Cowboys after some of the beatdowns that you've already taken this year. And look, they've played the Jets twice, and or they've played the uh, the Patriots twice and the Bills once, too. 
to kick off the season. So that's a that is a rough go for this Jets mm-hmm. team to start the season. So it hasn't been an easy schedule. The Eagles are underachieving, but that's a tough team to play at the beginning of the year. Uh, they lost to the Browns early in the season when everyone thought the Browns were good. Obviously, more talent on the Cleveland roster than the New York roster. Uh, the the Jaguars are at least a 500 team. So really, this week against the Dolphins is the first game where you go in and you're like, okay, this is like a, an opponent that you should be able to beat on paper. So for that reason, I think I that... they will. Yeah, I don't know if they will, but at least you feel that way. <laughs> then they've got the Jets, or they've got the Giants and the uh, the Redskins coming up. So some winnable games here. So I think we'll learn about the team when they face teams that they should at least beat or at least are on their level right now coming up in uh, the rest of the schedule. Uh, I'm, I'm just interested to see how Gase, how the offense, how Sam Darnold bounces back from that. Because like you said, I'm a Sam Darnold believer, but we got to see more games like the Cowboys game and less games like the rest of them. Yeah, the way I'd sum it up, or I guess the way I'd maybe look at it if I was Jets' ownership, were if you look at the league, there is a tier of horrible, horrible teams. And right now I would put the Jets in that tier. But now that they're going to play a few of them over the next couple of weeks, if they prove that they're not in that tier anymore, despite not having offensive linemen, corners, or edge pass rushers, I think I'd bring Gase back. Right, that's a great way to put it. And with Darnold, I think the number one thing with Darnold is when you see – you got Luke Falk at quarterback, uh, and when you right. bring in Sam Darnold and you see the difference between one week playing the Eagles and losing 31-6, to the next week beating the Cowboys 24-22, throwing four touchdown passes, to see the difference in the entire team just by plugging in a different quarterback, I think that tells me the talent level and what Sam Darnold could be. Exactly, and then the Patriots, and they do that to everyone, guys. Right, yeah, the, the Patriots have done that to literally every team they've played this year. Yes. All right, let's talk Thursday night football, 49ers at Cardinals next. The unbeaten 49ers at 7-0, and going to Arizona, short week, Thursday night, Halloween game, could it get spooky, could it get a little <laughs> bit crazy in Arizona? The 3-4-1 and one Arizona Cardinals, not as bad as... Uh, we would have expected them to be coming into this season. They're a different team. They're definitely going to be a different look for the 49ers here in week number nine. What are your thoughts on this game from the outside? I've got some thoughts on it being close to the 49ers, but I would like to hear your opinion first as an unbiased outside observer of this football game. Yeah, I don't I don't know how this goes well for Arizona, but division game, short week, you're at home. They do have some playmakers. Like, if this was Kyler's coming out party despite awful circumstances, I might be like, I could see that. I could paint that picture. But I look at it and think, man, they're the worst team and the worst defense in the league by a wide margin against the tight end. And Kittle is a monster. And for those that don't know, he's had three touchdowns come back because of, you know, penalties and whatnot. He may just blow up tonight. And now the receivers look better, and they're running the ball on everybody. I'd be shocked if they don't run the ball down their throats and just tons of Tevin Coleman and get Kittle and Coleman in your fantasy lineups and laugh all the way to the bank. But I kind of said this last week. I'm I'm, I'm opt- a little bit optimistic about Arizona. I mean, it's sort of like the Jets conversation where they need still 10 more starters or something like that. I mean, they're undermanned. And, and that Niners pass rush is going to be a huge problem, and David Johnson's not there. But I think this team is at least going in the right direction and doesn't embarrass themselves tonight. It's not a ring endorsement. 
Right. Yeah. Don't embarrass yourself. That 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 should be on the banner out in front of the stadium for the Cardinals. But the, I, I look at the wins the Cardinals have had because they have had three wins, but it was against the Bengals, the Falcons, and the Giants. And none of those teams are playing at a super yeah. high level right now. Um, I think their most impressive game was that Week One tie against the Detroit Lions. And mm-hmm. to to see Kyler Murray at least be able to keep his head above water and to win three games so far and in Week One, Game One of his rookie season. We've learned now that the Lions are actually a pretty decent team, and to tie them and, and come back in that game because they were down early. The the thing I would say that potentially, and even though Murray has been sacked a lot, and I think the 49ers have the best defensive front in the league, I think they proved that going against another team that had put up a lot of sacks in the Panthers last week and watch how good the 49ers were compared to the Panthers. It was just like, wow. And Nick Bosa's not only... Rookie Defensive Player of the Year, but I think just flat-out Defensive Player of the Year conversation now with what he's done for the 49ers and the impact he's made coming off the edge. It could be a disaster for the rookie Kyler Murray like it was for the young quarterback Kyle Allen last week, but he does have something the 49ers haven't seen yet, and that's athleticism and some escapability and then sling the ball and maybe make some plays with the arm. Can the ball bounce their way on a short week Thursday night football? Kyler Murray getting loose from the pass rush, maybe extending some plays, finding some people open down the field. I think that would be the only recipe I see for the Cardinals being able to win this one. Yeah, and and I think that there will be a handful of, you know, late in the down, sandlot plays, running around like crazy, finds Larry in the corner of the end zone or hits Kirk in stride, he breaks a tackle and goes 60. Like, I think there'll be big plays from Kyler and some of this young talent. Maybe Drake gets free or something like that. I just don't see sustainable offense. Right. And then the other side of the ball, the one thing that I think, and people are nitpicking Jimmy Garoppolo to death for being a 7-0 and quarterback and being 13-2 and as a starter for the 49ers. Uh, <laughs> right. We talked about how Darnold, seeing the difference between Luke Falk and Sam Darnold, seeing him jump in and be like, okay, not only is the quarterback position better, the entire team plays better. That's what we've seen with Jimmy Garoppolo. Someone like C.J. Beathard filling in for Garoppolo is 1-9 as a starter. And when you see Jimmy jump in, even having – you know, a couple of weeks of practice when they traded for him at the deadline in 2017, he goes 5-0 and for a team that could not win a football game that season. So it's the people that are nitpicking Jimmy Garoppolo because he's not putting up crazy fantasy stats. Maybe he could say he's thrown too many interceptions. That's fair. It's a fair criticism, but still a bit of a nitpick for what he's done overall. Help the 49ers win games. Yeah, and I'd worry a little bit about Chandler Jones, and I think Peterson will be on Sanders a lot, and those are matchups you like if you're the Cardinals. But and I'm a I have mixed feelings about quarterback wins being a stat, but considering who his mentor was, who's got more than any of them, you know what I mean? Like I, I think there's an art to winning games at the quarterback position in this league. And say what you want about his fantasy stats, when he takes you know when he takes the field, he often leaves the field with a W. I'm right there with you with quarterback wins, and the only time to me it makes sense is when you can say, look, this guy was quarterback of this same team for this many games. Same roster, this quarterback couldn't win a football game. And I think that's when it becomes clear. And one thing about Garoppolo that on the surface you don't really see with his numbers, he's completing a lot of passes and highly efficient still despite a couple of interceptions. One thing you would like to see with him is a lot of times, like say Jameis Winston, with the interceptions also comes big plays. Right. He doesn't have like those dangerous big play throws where you're like, okay, we're making big plays here, and then we have a couple of interceptions we can live with. He hasn't had the big plays to go along with it. 
So that touchdown to interception ratio, just not great for Garoppolo. But he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I think he's top three right now in third down conversions. And so that's where the 49ers are winning football games. And you don't always see it. Like you feel it when you watch the game, but you don't see, you don't realize how good he's actually playing right now. In the face of pressure, he's been good. They're having long sustained drives. The running game, obviously a big part of that, but he's really good on third downs. The 49ers, I think eighth in the NFL on third downs total. And he's the number three quarterback passing on third downs and converting first downs out of them. So that's where Garoppolo is really shining right now. And you might not see it in his overall numbers. Yeah, that's a great point about third downs. My counterpoint, and this isn't a negative on him, is I bet the Niners are right at the top of the league and not being in third and longs, too, with that running game. Absolutely, yep. And Complimentary football is the buzzword this year for the 49ers and and the coaching staff in press conferences, and they're absolutely playing almost a borderline old-school brand of football. It's weird because they're winning games in an old-school way. Powerhouse defense, pass rush, and running the football, they use they run the ball more than any team in the league right now. They use a fullback more than any team in the league when Kyle Juszczyk is healthy. But they're winning old-school football in a very new way with a ton of speed. All their running backs run 4-3. It's outside zone. It's not smash-mouth between the tackles running game football. And it's a ton of speed on defense as well. So it's a really interesting combination of old-school idea of how you win a football game, but with a really new-school vibe of speed everywhere including linebacker edge rusher and running back yeah it's a well-assembled team and it's it's hard to believe that these two teams tonight had the first and second pick overall yeah and that's another storyline here is one versus (laughs) two does and and Nick Bosa right now I think has the edge on Kyler Murray of course if you're the Cardinals and you hit on quarterback it doesn't matter how good the edge rusher is you're still going to take the quarterback so I think they feel okay about that decision right now but that's going to be a fun little storyline to watch. And if Bosa is able to get after Kyler Murray, uh, you might see some Arizona Cardinals fans thinking, oh, man, we could have had him number one instead of Kyler Murray. Right. And just it's so funny how things change so rapidly since April. So maybe you Jets fans that were listening have hope too. <laughs> when it comes, it comes quickly. You see teams fall off a, a cliff very quickly. And when teams arrive, I've already seen it one time in the Harbaugh era with the 49ers. They had some talent. Harbaugh shows up, all of a sudden, whoa, this is the best, one of the best teams in the NFL. The same thing is happening right now with the 49ers. They're bad. They can't win anywhere. 0-8 on the road. Now they're unbeaten on the road and trying to go 5-0 and on the road to start the season right now. So when it comes and a team arrives, it can happen very quickly. We're seeing it. So to all you teams out there, it's a great point. Jets fans, Dolphins fans, Cardinals fans maybe a year or two away. When that happens, it can happen very quickly. So be ready for Especially it. Especially if you have a quarterback. Right, yeah, that's key number one. Have Darnold Murray, you and, know, he might, maybe those guys are studs. And know? we're seeing with the 49ers, it's still very important to get after the quarterback, too. That edge pass rush, I think, is still the number one thing. The difference between the 49ers last year and this year, it's Nick Bosa and D Ford. I think that is the number one thing. Yeah, that's huge. And, of course, a healthy quarterback, as it goes without saying. That absolutely helps. Uh, thank you so much to John Butchko for joining the show today. Matt, always fun. We will make our picks for all the rest of the weekend games and break down what happened Thursday night football on tomorrow's show right here, Locked On NFL.